Ethel's Travel Tales, Accounts from an Addicted Travel Photographer. Travel Mishaps 4 1. I think I broke my arm. 2. My car won't start. Again. 3. I missed the flight. 1. March 2002. I think I broke my arm. Rarotonga, Cook Islands. Coming towards the end of my year-long, round-the-world, self-assigned photographic shoot, I was now visiting my choice for the South Pacific, the Cook Islands. In Raro, I learned to handle a 125cc motorcycle. Differentiated from a scooter by the fact that the more powerful vehicle had gears to change in order to use it, and I was required to get a Cook Island driving license. Driving around the town with an inspector behind me, I eventually was approved and certified and happily buzzed my way around the island with my Cook Island driver's license safely packed into my wallet. When I got to the next little island, I too talky, still in the Cooks, I thought it would be fun to rent another scooter or motorcycle to drive around, especially now that I had my license. The roads were terrible unpaved with potholes filled calf-deep with water from the frequent rains. I took great care and maneuvered my way through the vehicular mines. The next day, though, in an unguarded moment, when chasing a hat that blew off my head, I slammed on the brake, lost control of the bike, and smashed into the soft clay. When I stood up again, scraped and achy, I realized I couldn't move my right arm without an unbearable amount of pain. Somehow I managed to get back on the bike, drive up to the hotel, walk up to the manager and ask her, please take me to the hospital. I knew I had been injured. Medical stories are never really interesting except to the person involved. So suffice it to say I attended the Polynesian equivalent of a local clinic and that if it hadn't been for the pain, it would have been a great experience. Being there was one way to catch up on the local news, as here was, apparently, where the local women came to gossip. Not knowing for whom I was waiting, I was assured that the doctor could be identified by the stethoscope around his neck. When the man with the loud Hawaiian-type shirt showed up, dangling the instrument, I realized he was the one who would be treating me. I was eventually, if not definitively, diagnosed as having bruised or torn a muscle, but that whatever the ailment, the treatment was the same, rest and recuperation. I came to the conclusion that the best place for convalescence was my little house, still in Aitutaki, that was actually part of the hotel where I was residing. I extended my stay another four days in the hope I would at least be able to move my arm by the end. My fellow residents were wonderful and included an Italian nurse and a Canadian doctor. Although on holiday, they were still happy to take care of me. The rest of my stay ended up being a great vacation, if somewhat recovery. 
Reluctantly, I decided to forego the allegedly expensive and unfriendly French society islands, i.e. Tahiti, as I still couldn't even carry my pack on my back. I flew straight through to Los Angeles to be with my family before returning to the UK. I could chill out and not feel pressure being able to take as long as I needed to recover properly, or at least as long as I could stand being with relatives. Eventually, the arm healed enough so that I could move it without much pain, and I was able to release the trigger of a camera again. As recompense for missing Tahiti, I took a brief trip to the southwest of the United States. Still aching, but definitely on the mend, I snapped the, to the best of my bruised shoulders ability. Soon, I'd be back in the UK with good NHS medical care, I hoped. Two. 2003. My car won't start. Los Angeles, California, USA. Twelve months later, I decided I would finish the round-the-world journey by completing the American leg of the trip. This time, however, I'd allow myself at least a year to explore my native land. With my considerable experience of working for recreational vehicle companies, I would buy an RV for myself doing my own modern version of Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Preparations completed, I found and purchased the vehicle that would be my mobile home for the next indefinite period. Bookshelves built in, living essentials bought and installed, I said goodbye to my starting base in Los Angeles and headed east. My first decided destination would be in Arizona, some distance away from California, but not too far to tax my getting to know my own RV skills. Off I headed on the highway to get free quickly from the LA conurbation. The first traditional stop for a driving break was just outside Barstow, a distance of about 130 miles. Emptied via a toilet break and filled with coffee and petrol, I got back into the car, turned the key and nothing. Nothing? How could it be nothing? I tried again. There was silence. Here I was at the beginning of a potentially life-changing journey across the entire United States, and I couldn't even get out of California. I thought that after all this planning and organization, this road stop would be about as far as I could get. Fortunately, I had purchased a specific motorhome insurance, and with my specially bought American mobile phone, I called a garage located in the nearby city of Barstow. A truck with trailer eventually came, hauling my steed of freedom onto its back. I was invited into the cab. Long story short, the garage had the part, a starter motor, and told me to come back in a couple of hours. I wandered through the city, somewhere I had passed along the outskirts many times via the speeding freeway, but had never before stopped in to take a look. The adventure of finding those relatively unknown spots of America had already begun. When I returned, the RV was ready to go. I took off, continuing with the great plans I had to see the country. I did indeed spend the year touring, with an occasional visit to a garage when my van decided to break down again, and again, and again. 
But on these occasions, at least I knew that I and my vehicle would survive the unscheduled stops. Eventually, more than 12 months later, I returned to that same starting point in Los Angeles, managing to complete my cross-country journey despite any initial and additional problems I might have had. 3. October 2014 I missed the flight! Orlando, Florida, USA I'm pretty good about catching flights, allowing myself enough time to get to the airport without rushing. While waiting, I don't mind people watching and wandering around the overpriced, duty-free shops selling things I never buy. It passes the time. So when it turned out my partner and I had a flight that left just past midnight, we arrived at the airport easily around the two hours ahead. It was late, the airport shops were shutting, but we were here in good time. No one was at the desk at check-in yet. Maybe we were a bit too keen, but someone would surely show up at some point. Fellow passengers started gathering, too. Soon it was clear that no one was coming, despite the approaching hour of departure. We began to worry. It was time to go. No one was around. We waited as the small crowd became restless. Finally, one person managed to get hold of the airline by phone. It turned out... Our plane had left the day before. The midnight we interpreted as the day we were there was actually yesterday. We were initially confused and then furious. We had received no texts or emails informing us of check-in times, nor of clarification of the early flight time. Angry, especially those passengers with children, we continued our conversation with whomever was there at the airline on the phone. Our flights are full for the next few days, was the answer. You can buy another one, perhaps for Saturday, which was days ahead. No, no free booking or even discounts on future flights. You simply missed it. It's your fault. Now, past midnight, in a closing airport, stranded with no way of getting home, I immediately found a comfy chair, opened my computer, went online looking for any alternative way home. WestJet, a Canadian company that flew via Toronto, could get us to London, departing the next day. However, we would have to pay as much for the single fare as we did for the round trip with Norwegian, but at least we'd get back. Sitting there in the empty lounge, I put in our credit card numbers and received the email confirmation. We were exhausted, probably as much by the frustration as the hour. The local Hyatt was actually located in the airport, and we showed up at the late-night reception desk. Almost in tears, I told our tale of woe to the clerk. He apologized, saying he couldn't give us a discount, but somehow he did manage to find us a very nice room at a good price. As a concession, or perhaps as a mark of pity, he gave us vouchers for a full breakfast buffet for the next morning. Despite our traumas of the night before, we truly enjoyed our relaxing breakfast. And this flight, the second flight, we managed to catch. But I doubt we will ever use that initial airline 
again.